the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my mommy and her friends on Trails and Testimonies. Come on, y'all. Let's go. Welcome to Trails and Testimonies. My name is Kim Fitz. You can follow me on Instagram or you can follow Trails and Testimonies on Facebook. Today we are at Clinton Farms, Clinton Nature Preserve, or as my son likes to call it, Clintonum. And I have never done a podcast laying down before. Beck, thank you so much <laughs> for uh, joining us and being out here in this calm, peaceful moment. Yeah, thanks for having me. Isn't God's creation wonderful? It is fantastic, and you can actually see the moon over there <sighs> Wow! as we lay on the huge rock at Clinton Nature Preserve. And I am not a morning person, but I was like, okay, let's do this. We can meet at 9 o'clock, and it won't be crowded. We pull up, and the park is unusually busy. We're both social distancing, but I didn't expect the park to be as busy as it was. Yeah, I feel like people are longing for something different and not to make light of the kind of communal grief we're all experiencing, but I think there's also a spiritual awakening that's happening and people are looking to reconnect to God and to themselves. And there's 200 acres out here, so if you find a trail, you can find it, hopefully, away from everyone. We haven't seen anyone so far, so that's really nice. We're all very distant from each other on Trails and Testimonies, and What you mentioned about grief and awakening, I feel like that is a lot of your journey as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. So I guess I'll sort of start from the beginning of kind of my story. Um, So I grew up, uh, I'm eight generations from like West Georgia. So I grew up uh, out in West Georgia and, you know, everybody out here sort of Bapticostal and I I grew up pretty Bapticostal myself. Um, My parents had uh, kind of a Jesus encounter with like these Jesus movement people and really were excited about that. And my dad wanted to go to a church with drums. And at the time in like West Georgia, the only church with drums were like the Pentecostal churches. So um, my parents go there and that was sort of our church home for a long time. And I remember my dad being really excited to lead praise and worship. My dad was like the guy with the big hair who was like, come on, everybody, it's time to praise the Lord. (laughs) And like, that was like church, right? Like people were really excited. Tell me he had like a really bright suit. Oh man, my dad, like just, I'm for real when I say like green shoes, green (laughs) pants, green, like everything. And like, I don't know if you remember Miami Vice, but my dad was totally rocking that. And my dad had like this sweet mullet. And the thing was, is it was my father's like he he owned the hair, but it wasn't his natural hair. And a lot of people didn't know that about my dad, but he had this like wig and like, I don't even know if the wig was like anointed or whatever, but like my dad brought some Jesus juice when he sang, you know what I'm saying? 
I don't know. They always said the higher the hair, the closer to Jesus. And he had some big, big mullet hair. So church was a great place. Like I learned a lot about Jesus and love, but there was some hurt too. And we had hired someone who came in to work in our children's ministry that had a heart for kids, but it wasn't, it wasn't a righteous heart. And I had some really bad stuff happen to me for a long time up until I was eight. And I guess this sort of coupled with a lot of preaching about worldliness and uh, the body and all this stuff. It, It sort of distorted my view of myself. I remember when I was like five, kind of shaving my head in protest and like telling my mom, I'm not wearing dresses. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And she was like, okay, whatever. I have a unique child. But for me, it was my way of sort of protecting myself. And I just became an angry kid. Like I was super angry. Growing up in West Georgia, you had two ways in which to um, express yourself in fashion. And one of those was like camouflage and Carhartt. And the other was like Abercrombie. And those were like your two choices. So I decided to wear like a whole lot of black and get Doc Martens and dye my hair with Kool-Aid and wear dark lipstick. And, it, you know, it kind of freaked out my Pentecostal parents a little bit. You know, sort of my way of rebelling as a teenager and finding my kind of individualism. And me and my dad just weren't jiving with that. And um, I know you can't believe it now, but I was like really snarky and rebellious. Now you look at me and you're like, no, not you, never. You couldn't ever be. I I know I'm a new creature in Christ, but like I was like super mad and me and my father started getting into it a lot. I had had like this, when I was 14, I had this experience with God like out at Destin in the ocean and I heard what I thought was like the audible voice of God say, I love you. And it really just, it kind of changed my trajectory that summer and I had this amazing youth pastor at this uh, church that we were going to, but uh, I don't know. I just kind of fell, fell to the side. I, there wasn't a lot of like discipleship programs for, for young women. And while I had mentors, it was just, it was just a difficult time in the church. And there was a lot of scandals that erupted in different churches that I went to. And my parents did the best that they could with the knowledge that they had, but I was just really angry and hurt and needed a lot of therapy and just, just rebelled. Uh, started getting into some trouble at school. Ultimately, me and my father got into a really long, drawn-out fight. My dad loved God a whole lot, and he had some struggles from his own childhood that he wasn't able to really work out in his early life. And I think all that just coupled together brought down the hammer of sort of what happened. And uh, I was starting to kind of search outside of Christianity. I mean, I always liked Jesus, but I just thought Christians were sort of judgmental and I was just sort of kind of over it and I got in my truck with a gun rack because you know I am from West Georgia and that's what we drove was Um, it camouflage uh, it was not camouflage it was actually bright yellow and had like flames down the side it was (laughs) pretty cool um I thought it was hip I drove the little five points and I experienced homelessness and it was very privileged like it wasn't I didn't go through the pain and the trauma that many people who are experiencing homelessness have went through. Uh, I had a job at Domino's Pizza. I had like a Nokia cell phone. And at any point in time, I could have called my parents and went back home. But my whole household just erupted. Like my parents had this other issues that came, came into it. They were going through a divorce. And I just ran away from all of it. Plain. Um, so <laughs> how you doing there, buddy? Oh, wow. <laughs> we are distinguishing now that that's a plane and not 
uh, lengthy flatulence, just <laughs> so you know. Um, by the way, I've been trying to like this like high protein, high good green stuff, and um, yeah, a lot of body changes. So we'll just leave so that it there. Could be you. It could be me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it could be me. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh, back to the faith story. So, yeah. So, like, I don't know. I always liked Jesus, but was pretty much done with the church, done with Christianity. And I was just really mean and hateful towards Christians. Like, I can remember being in my truck and, like, little five points and having this group of people come up. And they're like, do you know Jesus? Like, and I was like, mean. Like, even my clothes made me look angry. Like, I was, looked like an angry My Little Pony, kind of. Like, I had uh, dyed my hair and uh, just was just trying to be me and be... Just didn't want to have anything to do with my roots, uh, whether my faith roots or or sort of my heritage of being, like, this, you know, Appalachian Scotch-Irish settler in West Georgia. Anywho, I ended up meeting a guy named Isaac. My name's Rebecca. I thought it was providential. We started hanging out, and I got into sort of the underground rave scene in Atlanta. So I did that um, while maintaining a job until I was 25, and I started utilizing drugs and alcohol for a lot of escapism just to deal with some of the grief I felt and some of the shame that I felt and just, like, questions around my parents and who I was. And one night we were having, like, this major house party, and that night I ended up taking a cocktail of veritable substances and um they just didn't work with my body and I always thought I was like a smart addict if that makes sense like I just was always like well I'm not going to take this much I'm not going to do this but I did end up taking way too much and begin to overdose and uh, my friends got really scared they put me in a bathtub put some ice on me my friends were getting ready to leave um there was hints that the cops were going to be called uh, Isaac wasn't able to help because he was incapacitated as well. And I just laid there in the bathtub with my heart beating out of my chest louder than the drum and bass music. And I just kept thinking about my grandmother, like, sitting in a rocking chair with her King James open, like, praying over me. And I just was, I was just so sad that I might die. And my grandmother would know that I was, like, just a wretch of a person full of hurt. And I just started crying and... Uh, then my heart stopped and everything went dark and I heard a lot of accusation and condemnation and what sounded like voices coming to get me and uh, you know I always liked Jesus though I was really not into the church and I was just like Jesus if you're there like save me I will give you my life and uh, I saw this Christ figure like break through the darkness but it, it wasn't like uh, it didn't look like Billy Ray Cyrus or anything it wasn't like white Jesus right like it was like I don't know, Bob I Marley. I cannot picture Billy Ray Cyrus Jesus anyway. <laughs> Nashville Jesus. <laughs> it was like this like Bob Marley, Captain Jack Sparrow Jesus. I don't even know what was up with that. I mean, it could have been the drugs, but like I had this experience. And then like Jesus pulled me through the darkness and back into the light. And I breathed and I was in the bathtub and I, I had been saved. And like I get up, right? And I'm like running around the house with my... With my blue hair and my stretched ears and my tattoos and my My Little Pony clothes. And I'm like, Jesus, save me. And my <laughs> friends are like, whoa. Uh, so I couldn't get over that. And I wanted to go to church. And I, I just kept telling Isaac, like, I want to go to church. And he was like, oh, just calm down. You had, like, a bad trip. You'll be fine. But I couldn't get over it. So 
I came into church out in West Georgia and I remember kind of making a wager with God. I was like, all right, Lord, I'll serve you, but like make me something rational, like a Lutheran or Episcopalian, like not Baptocostal, please, Jesus. <laughs> so I show up at a church and it's a time in America where the denominations aren't necessarily on the signs. And I go into this amazing church that really loved me. And I, I like walked in ready for them to like judge me and like I dared them to love me like leather chains boots I was so angry and I'll never forget like just Pastor Dave just like loving on me and his wife Cindy loving on me and all these people just loving on me and holding me and telling me that God loved me and I <laughs> I don't know what it was I don't know if it was the oxygen deprivation from the hugs but <laughs> Man, I felt something, you know, like God really loved me. And if God could love me, he could love anybody. And I uh, I love those people so much. And they mentored me and discipled me. And I was still angry and still really rebellious and said all the unchurchy things that you're not supposed to say. Uh, and they just loved me. And it was, it was beautiful. I remember... Uh, I ended up trying to go through therapy, and they helped me out. And they, Pastor Dave told me I was a, you know, a smart aleck, and maybe I should use my intellect to, to follow Jesus. And I was like, Yeah, man, like I should join Peace Corps. And he was like, Yeah, no, I don't know about that. And then I was like, I don't know. And then, like, I heard about this Bible college in Florida, and I was like, Dude, I'm gonna go to this Bible college. And he was like, Yeah, let's get you there. So. I went down to this Bible college, and I don't know, I fell in love with the Bible and and with God, and, and it was hard because I was different. I was a non-traditional student. I didn't look like what church was supposed to look like in America, and I just didn't fit the, you know, kind of Christian narrative. But what is it supposed to look like? Man, I don't think you it's know? supposed to look like any of those silly things that we put up. I don't, you know, I don't think it looks like clean white teeth and $125 blue jeans. I think it... I think it can be anything, and I think we've missed the mark in a lot of ways. Like, following Jesus doesn't make you an Instagram hit, you know? Uh, I love Instagram, BT-dubs. Uh, <laughs> you can follow her at... <laughs> putting it out there. Um, I love the social media, and I, I should probably be in a 12-step group for that. But, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just not about those kind of comparisons and all that weird stuff. Like, following Jesus... It, isn't just like a one-time transformation it's like a daily transformation and like being otherworldly and like loving people that the powers in society say we're not supposed to love or that aren't worthy of love or those that have been rejected or cast to the side and Jesus loved me when I was cast to the side so how could I not show love to those that are on our streets in Atlanta you know not to tarry too far off the path Kim I just I've had so many mystical interruptions with our friends who are experiencing homelessness and they ministered to me like just in ways that it's just so weird. And I think I'm a fairly logical, rational person. And then just God just interrupts junk. And I'm like, what just happened? And I, I, I don't know. Well, there's so many stuff. experiences that every single one of us go through. Just like what you said is unworldly with our own eyes would be hard to comprehend. But since we have that spirit, we know that that's from him. You know, I test all things with love and we're really with the fruit of the spirit. I guess growing up kind of Pentecostal, there was a lot of emphasis on 
the gifts of the Spirit, and I think those things are important, but I really want the fruit of the Spirit to be manifest in my life, and I want to, you know, I want to be love, and I was so angry for so long, like, I was somebody on social media who used to just yell at everybody, just with a lot of accusation and a lot of judgment, and just finger pointing even at the church and I realized through a lot of losses and just time with God and just kind of wailing before God and getting it out I am the church yeah like so we've messed up but we're still the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth and man I don't know I just so much compassion came in my life so to kind of go back to to my dad so me and my dad started kind of making up and it was difficult there had to be a lot of boundaries because our our relationship was never going to be like Disney my father never held me and or touched me and it wasn't it wasn't because he was a bad man it was just bad stuff happened to him as a child and he was fearful of touch that coupled with the abuse that I went through led me down a path of kind of chasing love in different places that that weren't healthy but me and dad started to make up and reconcile and I don't know we started talking more and more about God and my dad just loved Jesus so much and he uh he was a really cool guy and um then suddenly and unfortunately he passed away and I just I was really mad at God I was like how can you take my dad away when I've not even had him like when I never had him and why and I just sat there, and I was so frustrated, but yet, at the funeral for my father, there were, like, three pastors who hadn't talked to each other in, like, ten years that came together and were hugging and talking, and there was all these people from all these walks of life who had, like, met my dad that were just getting, talking about Jesus, and I was like, this is crazy, there's Baptists and Presbyterians and progressive, I don't even know what's in the room with Pentecostals, and they're all loving each other and loving (laughs) Jesus, and what's going on? It was crazy, so my dad, in his own right, definitely brought people together, and uh, I love my dad, and he's a great guy, and I think if he were here today to see how my life's transformed, he would just, he would give me a thumbs up, you know, and I like to think that he's chilling with Jesus, probably telling inappropriate flatulent jokes right now, (laughs) maybe looking down and saying, there you go, kid. I think he'd be very, very proud of you. Two thumbs up. (laughs) And so, and to transition, because you were talking about seeing the homeless, Hmm. I remember you said earlier when you went to Little Five Points, when you ran away and you experienced some of that, now your job is to actually work with the homeless. Yeah. I've been in homeless ministry for, for a while. I, I started off working with uh, a group of young people at a church and going underneath the bridge. And then many years there was a an Assemblies of God mission in downtown Atlanta. And uh, Pastor Mel Rolls was one of my mentors, and we would talk, and I would, as an intern, wash the dishes, and I just learned a lot from the way in which he interacted with people and the dignity that he showed. He wasn't a man with titles, you know? Like, he didn't push his name out there, and I watched other pastors that were, like, servant leaders, and I just looked up to them, and my pastor at my home church, Pastor Dave, was just such an amazing servant leader, and he just poured out love and really exemplified that I went off to seminary for a little bit and just really started thinking about the poor and the call of my life and to be with 
the poor and the marginalized and the disenfranchised and how my, I guess you'd say my wounding and my troubles and my trauma was now becoming part of my calling. So when I came back to Atlanta in 2011, started looking for work outside of, you know, waiting tables, I landed a job at the Gateway Center, which is a large homeless service agency in downtown Atlanta. And it has been life-changing and transforming to me. Like every day, my friends who are experiencing homelessness bless me and pray for me. And, you know, sometimes there's some occasions where I get cursed out or uh, weird stuff or gross stuff happens. But I wouldn't change it for the world. I love the work that we do. And I hope one day, you know, I hope one day I don't have a job. I hope one day that there are no more hungry and there are no more persons who are experiencing homelessness and my my soul longs for what Christians have called the kingdom of God and what I like to call like the kinship of God and what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called the beloved community. I just so long for that, Kim. I so long for a world of justice where, you know, there aren't people who are in need and the people know that they're loved and they're loved by God and they're worthy of so much love. Ah, I'm going to cry. Crying on the rocks. I've already, I've already of... been crying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been laying on my back. My shoulder is just soaked. Not <laughs> cries. But it's just what we were talking about earlier. <sighs> is we hold so many things back. And we don't cry. And we don't show our emotions. To protect each other. Which, especially now, during COVID, during this time. Let it out. Yeah. Let out our emotions so that the church... <sighs> which is you and I can hold each other's burdens. Yeah. Yeah. I think whew, there's so much that we can learn in grief. And my favorite, one of my favorite <laughs> old Testament scholars is this curmudgeon named Walter Brueggemann. And he just like brings up the prophetic literature. And Brueggemann says that the responsibility of the church is to help carry each other's burden and the burden of pain. Uh, and he, you know, he really goes through the Bible and digs out all this beautiful stuff around poetry and sharing. And I think the gift of the prophets is to help us grieve and also to reimagine a, a new world. You know, thy kingdom come, the beloved community. Man, but oh, I hope people are taking the time to get in touch with with their emotions and to grieve and to let out some of the pain. Yeah. And hiking um, with the parks being this crowded during this time, I think a lot of people are getting in touch with that. Yeah. Because the best time to cry out, I mean, you can cry out in the physical church mm. and you can cry out at home. But for some reason, when I am in the woods and I can just cry out to God by myself, there's nothing like it. I think there's a quote and it's like by Thomas Merton, who's like this contemplative mystic trappist guy and he basically said like we go into the woods to be with god and i don't know like i look at some of the stories of the saints of old and how their prayer lives were transformed and in the wilderness and in the woods and in the forest and oh can i tell a funny story about please yeah okay so like <laughs> I'm at Sweetwater Creek one morning, and it's like 6.30, and I'm there by myself, and the sun's coming up, and I'm just walking in the woods, talking to God, and, you know, kind of screaming at God some, and crying, and praying to God, and I, uh, so I'm kind of a person of the Spirit, and believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and so I'm speaking in 
tongues in the woods, and I think I'm all by myself, and it's okay, and it's not weird, and uh, I'm just getting real excited and super ecstatic, and I'm just out there with the squirrels and, you know, all by myself, and then I hear, runner on your left, and I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they got something from it. Uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm one of those uh, peculiar people. (laughs) Prayer on your right. (laughs) Remember to subscribe. I guess that's it, guys. Bye, then.